I just sold my Savannah property in Savannah, Georgia, and I made $130,000, and I don't have to pay taxes on it. Welcome, REI Society. Today, I'm gonna to talk to you about the 1031 tax-free exchange. A lot of people are, 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 they misunderstand what this thing can really do, and it is a power vehicle for you. Um, it allows you to defer taxes, specifically on long-term investments. Long-term investments that you sell and you have massive profits, when you get to a place of not needing that money in your account, you just don't wanna pay taxes on it. And that's what the 1031 uh, exchange is for. The purpose is to defer the payment of capital gains taxes on any real property. Um, that's what can be exchanged through this deferral program. And when you sell your property utilizing a 1031 tax-free exchange, you don't have to sell, I mean, you don't have to pay taxes on it. So let me go through my real world example of my first 1031, which I'm proud to say, um, but it is the first one I've ever done in, in 18 years. I had my Savannah property. I started out as a short-term rental five years ago and uh, it's done really well over the last several years, but this year in COVID economy, that property has not done well. And my opinion is, is because it's in a metropolitan area and a lot of people are actually leaving metropolitan areas uh, because of uh, COVID and they don't want to be stacked on top of each other and so on. So I think this is, uh, this is the reason why that property started failing this year. And for me, real estate is not emotional. Even though I was a little bit emotional on this property, um, I kind of I kind of waited it off and pushed it off, but uh, for a few months just to see how it was going to uh, respond to the remainder of the year. But fortunately for me, I, I saw the writing on the wall, and I'm not going to let this sinking ship take me under. I lost like twelve thousand dollars this year for the first time um, on this property. And I decided, well, I bought it at a great time all these years ago, five years ago, and I've got some equity in it. So we, we put it on the market and within the first couple of showings, we had a full price offer and there was $130,000 of profit we were gonna net, uh, which we did. And, and I realized that after talking to my CPA that this is not something that I want to, uh, that I actually want to, to put in my bank account. This money is not needed right now. Um, which is a good place for me. Some of you guys may need to buy and sell uh, and put that money into your pocket for the time being, but later on in life, during later parts of your real estate career, you may not need that money because you've got stacked capital in your bank account and, and or you may have a huge income year and you just don't wanna pay taxes on, on those gains. So I decided that a 1031 was the perfect vehicle for me at this time and I was really excited to do it. I had actually talked to a friend of mine who's a multimillionaire and um, asked him how simple the process was. He's like, it's as simple as putting an email together. I'm like, okay, great. So he gave me his intermediary and I sent them an email. They, they um, gave me their phone number. I got on the phone with them. They told me how it worked. Obviously I knew the basics, uh, but it was as simple as sending them the contract on the property. They literally did everything behind the scenes with the closing attorney. I had to do nothing but sign a few documents on, on top of the seller, doc, the seller documents at the closing. And that was it. It's only like a thousand dollars to do a 1031 tax-free exchange with this intermediary that I did. Now, the thing is, is when you're doing a 1031 tax-free exchange, you gotta understand that properties must be held for investment or in connection with a trade or business, but they don't have to uh, be similar use. Uh, you can exchange, for example, you can exchange raw land 
for an apartment building. You can exchange a mobile home for a house. Uh, you can exchange a house for a commercial property. It just has to be held for long-term usage. And there are, you know, there's actually two parts to this transaction. There's the transfer of the relinquished property and there's acquisition of the replacement property. So my Savannah house was actually the transfer of the relinquished property now that we started the 1031 exchange. So we sell the property, that is the transfer property. And now I have 45 days to identify another property for the replacement property. And like I just said, it could be a commercial property, it could be raw land, it could be anything that I want, as long as it equals up to the prop, the price of the um, sales price on the investment from my Savannah home. Now, that sound, now somebody might call me out and say, no, that is not right. The truth is, is I could actually go in and uh, let's just say I sell my home for $400,000 by find a property for $300,000. They will actually tax me on that $100,000 deficit. Um, and I, you know, so for me, it's gotta be a $400,000 property uh, in equivalence to purchase price or more or greater so that I don't have to, to be taxed on whatever was left over. So I'm not looking for anything that's cheaper. But yes, you can sell it and you can pay partial taxes on whatever was left over if you bought something that's cheaper and they're only gonna tax you on the deficit. Um, like I said, there are two parts to the 1031. There's the transfer of the relinquished property, my Savannah house, and then there's the acquisition of the replacement property. And now that you know that I'm looking for something that is the same price or greater, you gotta understand that I am looking for something that will be very, very similar in nature. Um, an investment property is a must. And for me, I, I, re I really love short-term rentals. I teach on the four pillars uh, of real residential real estate. That's the expert field that I am in, the residential real estate field. It's wholesaling and, and flipping and long-term rentals and short-term rentals. And unfortunately, you can't roll your profits from a, an active income source like wholesaling and flipping into a 1031. It has to be long-term, um, it has to be long-term capital gains types of investments, long-term holds. Um, so short-term rentals that I'm gonna keep for over a year or, or long-term rentals that I'm gonna keep for over a year is the perfect ideal uh, client for me or ideal property for me. I'm not really too interested in commercial right now, storage buildings. I'm probably gonna get back into, which I have, by the way, I have on commercial properties and storage buildings. I'm probably going to get back into multifamily next year, but right now I've got 45 days to identify something that is like-minded uh, to the property that I sold uh, as far as purchase price. And I actually found it. I found a loft in downtown Blue Ridge in the North Georgia mountains that is overlooking um, the downtown area. And I'm really excited about this property because it's going to yield a lot of income for me. Uh, and, and I, I've identified it. it it's going to be a good one. So I, I, there, I've already set this back up. I sent the contract. So what you do when you, when you do a 1031, you send the contract back to your intermediary and they'll give you a piece of paper to, to fill out. And, and that actually works for you to, um, you know, I help them identify legally that you have identified a property. Um, and it works great. I, it was easy. I sent them that and I'm going to be closing on my property. Um, the replacement property sometime in the next two months and and that's it they charged me a thousand dollars and all as well so let's break down the 1031 um, just so you can understand it even better 
Many criteria must be met in order to have a fully deferred exchange. Generally, the taxpayer must buy replacement properties of greater or equal value, like I already said. The taxpayer must reinvest all proceeds from the sale of the relinquished property. In my example, I had an $83,000 profit on paper. I had a loan, a first mortgage loan, and I had a profit of $83,000. Well, Brandon, you said you had $130,000 gain. Well, guess what? I had a rental property, so I had to um, I had to actually capitalize back the the uh, depreciation. I had to regain that depreciation back that I wrote off, and they're charging that back to me over the last five years. So that is the deficit there. That is the eighty-three thousand to the hundred and thirty-three thousand or whatever. Do the math. It's fifty grand. I've depreciated over the last five years, and I'm having to pay taxes on that because I didn't save it for twenty-seven and a half years. So that's the whole gain in totality. So the taxpayer, me, I must reinvest all proceeds from the sale of the relinquished property, my Savannah property, that's $83,000 in cash. It goes to the intermediary at my closing. And now I must reacquire debt equal or greater to the debt paid off from the relinquished property or replace the debt with additional cash. So now I have to go in and get a note for, the, the, the dollar amount that I had or more, uh, you know, in a promissory note from a new mortgage company to move forward. Now let's talk about deadlines. There are two deadlines, both of which begin on the date of transfer of the first relinquished property. You must replace this property and identify a property within 45 days. And then the exchange must be completed by the earlier of a 180 days from the date of the first relinquished property closing or be the due date of the taxpayer's federal income tax return together with all of its extensions. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on 1031 exchanges. This is all the documentation and I'm just regurgitating all of this to you. So if you are interested in in learning more about tax-free exchanges, I can actually give you the information um, to the people I use. Just Just text me tax-free exchange to 404-341-2897. Again, 404-341-2897. And I will actually text you back the people I used and you can talk to them about more uh, of, of how this works. So here's the thing. Identification rules. Let's talk about the identification rules. Replacement property must be described, made in writing, and signed by the taxpayer. Like I told you, I had to fill out a piece of paper. There's two most common ID rules that you have to go by, and it's the three property rule. You have to identify up to three properties that can be identified without regard to their fair market value. It doesn't really matter. You're just putting stuff on paper. And then there's the 200% rule. Any number of properties can be identified as long as their combined fair marketing value does not exceed 200% of the fair market value of all relinquished property. What does that mean? You can actually buy two or three properties with the dollar amount that you just sold. Like I can go buy, uh, if I if I sold $400,000 worth of property, I can go buy four $100,000 worth of property. It's crazy, right? Um, and then some. So any number of properties can be identified as long as their combined fair marketing value does not exceed 200% of the fair market value. So you can, you can add all these, in that example, four homes that are $100,000 a piece, as long as it equals out to that $400,000 tax uh, sales price, 
and that does not exceed 200%. So there you go. And this is what I've been told. Maybe it's wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's right. I can actually buy all four of those if I wanted to as a replacement property. I don't think it's just limited to just one. All right. Just so you know, the taxpayer must acquire title to the replacement property in the same manner as title was held in the relinquished property. So if you bought it in an LLC uh, in the last one, you must buy it in an LLC in the next one. If you bought it in your personal name in the last one, you must buy it in your personal name in the next one. There are some exceptions to this rule, such as entities that are disregarded for tax purposes, meaning that this is, this is, this is going into legal complications here, so I want you to talk to your advisors, but you don't have to necessarily um, go back into your personal name if you were disregarded for tax purposes, let's just say nonprofits and things like that. Talk to your tax advisor. I am not a, a tax person. I'm just telling you how this has worked out for me. Now, here's the thing. General rule for title. Like I said, if Mary Smith um, relinquishes their, their relinquished properties held by Mary Smith, then the title must be held by Mary Smith. If it's ABC partnership, then the new title must be in ABC partnership. Disregarded entity. Like I said, there is disregarded entities for this. Let's say Paula is the sole member of the limited liability company. The limited liability company is a disregarded entity and is ignored for tax purposes. In these scenarios, for purposes of the 1031 exchange, Paula will be considered the same taxpayer as the revocable trust or the singer the single member limited liability company. If Paula is married and Paula and her husband own the relinquished property, they can buy the, re the replacement property using either a revocable trust or a limited liability company in which they are the only two owners. As long as they are the only two owners of the limited liability company and the property is community property, the LLC can be ignored for tax purposes. Um, look, I'm really excited about this 1031. Now, I know there's speculation that um, the new presidency, the new term, may try to get rid of the 1031. I don't really see that happening. I think there's a lot of senators on both sides of the different parties, Democratic and Republican, who will actually be here um, um, on, on the Senate that, will, that are using it, and they're not going to want to see it. There are wealthy people on all sides, and yes... When, when you lean left uh, with the Democratic Party, they're usually all about taxing and keeping more taxes for uh, government usage uh, versus the Republican side trying to limit government usage and, and taxation. But the whole reality is there's wealthy people on both sides and I don't really see the, the 1031 being revoked. I don't really see that this is not uh, going to continue. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe that's my speculation, but I just, think that it's been here for such a long time, it's gonna to continue to stay. Now, when you're talking about stepped up basis and stuff like that, that's a whole other story. If you don't know what stepped up basis is, uh, let's just say you you buy property, you start off with $35,000 uh, profit at age 20, I mean a $35,000 acquisition or basis price on a property at age 20, and then you, 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 you buy age of 80, you've amassed $35 million worth of, um, um, property worth in AR in, in, in value if you die and when you die and you don't sell that property beforehand now your heirs get legal claim to that property and their stepped up basis goes from $35,000 basis 
to that $35 million basis and they don't have to pay taxes on anything in between. But if you sold it, you would. When they get it, they get that stepped up basis that goes to whatever that market price is of the value. And that is a way to avoid taxes to help people in, uh, as heirs, uh, your heirs. Now that could possibly go away in the next four years or next however many years. Um, but I don't see this going uh, going away as far as the 1031. All right, guys, if you feel like this 1031 exchange gave you a lot of value, the talk about this on this episode gave you a lot of value, screenshot this episode and send that up into the Instagram world and stories. Tag me in it at Brandon G. Thompson and let everybody know that this is a great podcast, not only to educate and inform, but also to give you hope that you can do more in your own business while you're being educated and informed. On top of that, if you're interested in the four pillars of real estate, I got training programs. Um, the REI Society EDU has training programs, uh, reisocietyedu.com. We teach on fix and flips, wholesaling, long-term rentals, and one of my favorites, short-term rentals. All right, see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.